Psalm 68. Verse number 4 says, Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Prepare the way for the one who rides on the clouds. His name is Yah, or Yahweh. Worship Him with joy. God, who lives in His holy palace, is a father to orphans. And He takes care of widows. God provides homes for those who are lonely. He frees people from prison and makes them happy. But those who turn against Him will live in the desert. I don't know about you, but I think that fits our congregation pretty well. We got some folks that are orphaned from an earthly father. Either by death or disassociation. We have some who are widows. Either by death or lack of real commitment from a spouse. We have some who are looking for a place to call home. Some, a physical place. Most, an emotional place. We got some folks in a room that have been set free from prison. Some, a literal prison. Most of us, a prison of our own making. A prison of sin. We have a God who wants to be a father to us. He is a creator of all. He's a father of some. God is the creator of the universe. God, every one of us that are in this room, every person you've ever met, every person who has ever lived has been created at the will and pleasure of an almighty God. But only those who have come to relationship with him through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ that Samuel prayed about can say we have a good, good father. His desire is that all would come but the wickedness of the heart of men often want to rule and reign. He's a God who is the God not just of today but of tomorrow and eternity. Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Never changes. I find that so hard to understand. Because I change at the breeze that goes by. I change my mind. I change my attitude. I change my actions. I, I, I just, I move with circumstances. I wish that wasn't always true of me. But it is. And it's true of you. We need to be more steady. He's not just a God of yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says that, that when we pray, Jesus said when we pray to him, pray and ask that God would give us our daily bread. God wants to be present today in your life, where you sit, in this room today. God wants to be present with you. He's a God of all eternity. Acts 4.12 says there's no salvation. Unless it's in Jesus Christ. It actually says there's salvation in no one else. 
There is no other name under heaven given to people that we must be saved by. If you check the verse ahead of that, it gives the name of Jesus. His is the name. Life is hard. And yet God is still there. I've got a question for you today. And I know the answer that you're all going to want to shout. Don't shout it. Is God enough? Is God enough? I want you to think about that for a few minutes. Because if God's enough, why are we searching for everything else? Why are you looking to people to satisfy the hurt in your heart? Why are you looking to stuff? Why am I searching after everything else other than God? Is God enough? I think that's a question we need to ask. I think that's a church question we need to ask. Is God enough? We know it'd be better if those three chairs were just filled with somebody else. Maybe, you know, is God enough? Is it okay that we're what we are? Is God enough in your finances? Is God enough in your relationships? Is God enough that you're willing to follow His way, not your own? James, the brother of Jesus, said, Brothers, be patient until the Lord's coming. He said, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and latter rains. So also you must be patient. Are you patient? Are you willing to wait on God? Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. James said that 2,000 years ago. It's got to be closer today, doesn't it? Hebrews 13, the writer of Hebrews said, in chapter 3, verse 13, said, Encourage each other daily. Who are you encouraging? Who did you encourage yesterday? Who encouraged you? Who are you going to encourage today? First thing this morning. I've got a text from Brother James. Just a word of encouragement. Thanks. Just lifting me up. No real reason to. I don't deserve it. Any more than anybody else does. Just, hey, thank you, brother. I'm with you. Why? So that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Encourage one another so that none of us is hardened by sin's deception. You're not in a hurry. You can have a seat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Listen, if God is truly enough, I think there's two keys we need to think about. Come out of 1 Timothy. A verse you're going to know well. Godliness with contentment is a great gain. Two keys. Godliness with contentment. So you can be godly and not content. You can be born again sitting in this room and not content with where you are because God's not enough. You're trying to fill it with something else. And if you've never been there, you probably need to open your eyes because you have been. Trust me, 
when I tell you, it is easy to be godly and not content. Probably one of the greatest battles I face in life. Being satisfied with God and not wanting something else. Godliness with contentment is a great game. I want to give you some real quick things today. You ever read Proverbs 30? I love the, the pictures that, that the writer gives us in Proverbs 30. There's three or four different places. He'll say, three things. Oh, no, four. He'll say, and then he'll say, I saw these three things. Oh, no, there's four. No, I'm going to do I'm going to play off of that today. I'm going to start with three things, and I'm going to give you four. Okay? Three spiritual disciplines. You say What's a spiritual discipline? It's something that you develop and that the Holy Spirit develops in your life to deepen you in your walk and in your in your your um, in your life with Christ as you mature in your faith. Please understand, you didn't get saved just to stay saved and do nothing. You became born again like a babe to grow to maturity. These little guys sitting over here. Or one day going to be like those two guys sitting back there. Or one day going to be like these older guys right here. Or going to be one day like a couple old men like me. And one day going to be as old as Sam. <laughs> hey, why? Because that's the truth of birth and life. If you live long enough, you're going to get old. That's just human. That's, that's the, the course of life. That's the intended course of life spiritually. You're a babe, and you should grow to maturity and age. And if, if, if you're still back here, you need to wake up. You need to, you need to put some spiritual disciplines in your life. First spiritual discipline, spiritual poverty. Boy, that's no fun. Spiritual poverty. This is what Paul said, Philippians 3. Everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Everything that I thought mattered, I had to put aside. More than that, what do you mean more than that? More than that? More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord because of Him. I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. And here's where he starts talking about the, the context of spiritual poverty. Having, not having a righteousness of my own from the law. Let me tell you something. If you haven't come to the place where you recognize that you have no righteousness in yourself, You're still working on the law. You're still trying to do it your way. But when you come to the realization that you have no hope without Christ, and that everything has to be thrown aside so that Christ can take control. Your faith must, your righteousness must be one that is found through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. Paul said his goal was to know him, to know God, to know Christ, 
and the power of his resurrection. Boy, isn't that great? Don't you want to know the power of the resurrection of Christ? Think about that. The ability to rise from the dead. The ability to take from death into life. You want that power? Fall over the second half of that statement. Paul said, my goal was to know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering. No, wait a minute, I don't want that. I don't want that. Thorns in the hands and nails. I mean, thorns in the head and nails in the hands and feet. I don't want that. I don't want God turning his back on me and pouring out the sin of mankind on me so that everybody else can spend eternity in heaven. I, I don't want to suffer rejection at the world. I want them to like me. I want them to accept me. I want to I enjoy life. Not what the suffering of Jesus. If you want to know the power of the resurrection, you're going to have to know the fellowship of the suffering. And you're going to have to be conformed to his death. You have some spiritual poverty. You got to let go of this life. Let me tell you what, when you have spiritual poverty, the next discipline that I think you, you, you really need to have is spiritual discontent. You know what it is to be spiritually discontent? Let's flip it. Are you happy where you are spiritually? I'm okay. Preacher, I'm good. Man, I'm good. I, I made it to church today. I didn't even come for the biscuits. Now, I made it two weeks in a row. Hey, preacher, look at the record. I had missed a single Sunday this year. I read my chapter this week. I'm good. I'm working on that memory verse. I'm good. Preacher, I prayed every day this week. I'm good. That's spiritual contentment. You want to you mature in your faith? Get discontent with where you are. Come to a place of spiritual discontentment. Come to a place where you say, God, I am not satisfied with this. I want more. I want to know you more. I want to be known by you more. I want, I want to be opened up. I want you to reveal the wickedness in my heart so that I can confess it and forsake it. I want to grow. I want to be more. I want to do more. I, I, I want to be sold out to you. That's spiritual discontentment. The psalmist said it this way. As a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. Have you ever wanted God so much? I mean, like right now, I can drink a gallon of water. I am so thirsty right now for whatever reason, all that sausage and gravy and <laughs> coffee. and It was great going down, but I sure am dry right now. That, that, that deer just, man, just hungering for it drink of cold water. Have you ever hungered for God that much? Have you ever wanted God so much because you just felt parched? That's spiritual discontentment. God, i got to have you. Nothing else is going to... Nothing else will satisfy. you got to have some spiritual understanding. I'm going to tell you, one of the things that, that scares me so much in the world around us today is a lot of people are spiritual. Not very many are biblical. I, 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 I say this about myself. I worry for me. But sometimes I get so spiritual that I'm not biblical. 
It doesn't really matter how much I think about it. It only matters what he thinks about it. And if I don't know what he thinks, then I'm off track. There's be some spiritual understanding. Isaiah said, come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. You're without money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money on what is not food? And your wages on what does not satisfy? Why are you longing after things that don't fulfill the purpose of God in your life? Some of us have been down the road long enough where we've seen the, the rocks. We, we see, man, why are you, man, I wish I could go back. I would not chase that stuff. I wouldn't chase money. Now, there's nothing wrong with money. Having money is not a problem. Chasing after money over top of God is. And I promise you, if money is in your life, there's been a point in time where you sacrificed God for money. It was more important. Don't tell me you hadn't gone to work at times when God has maybe said, hey, you need to do something different. Maybe taking a different job. I know people that say, I can't quit this job, even though it's a job that's not honoring God, because there's too much money and I can't go over here and do this. Why not? What you're saying is, I'm trying to buy stuff that's just slipping through my hands and no value to it. Younger people, teenagers today chasing after stuff. Kids chasing after stuff. Now, how many, how many people, kids, how many, how many of y'all know that somebody that just can't wait to get their own YouTube channel? Or they want to be a YouTuber, or they want to do the they, they, they want to, they want this, or they want that. They want to be like that person who has fame. Now, I'm, I'm picking on the kids right now, kind of, but don't, don't forget, we all did the same thing in our own way. We didn't have YouTube, but we all did the same thing at our own level of where we were in life. We wondered what somebody else had. Spiritual wisdom says, don't waste your money on stuff that we don't want to satisfy. Listen to me. Eat what is good. And you will enjoy the choices. What he's saying is, come back to what is eternal. Seek after what matters. Get to know God and what God thinks about a situation. You know, what did I, there was a Mark sent a thing out. To, I think he sent me and Allison both. I don't know if he showed it. She showed it to you. It was, I started to play it today. Um, some of y'all know who Matthew West is, a Christian um, artist. Uh, musician. He written a song recently called Modest is Hottest. <laughs> and, and he sings it to his teenage daughters. And, and it's, it's really funny, but it is really cuts to the truth. Talking about the modesty issue. For young women. And how they seek after being like the Kardashians and the, the, the girls that are in pop music. And they want to look like them. And they want to act like them. And they want to, they want to emulate them. And yet, when you open up the Word of God, how does that compare to that? I promise you this. says that is wicked. But, but listen, it ain't just the teenagers. The rest of us in the world, too. Everything you're hungering after. Have you compared it against the Word of God? What is eternal? What matters? Is God enough? 
Because enough, you're going to find out what God says or you're going to do it His way. But, but you don't understand, it's going to cost me some money if I do this. If I make this choice that God says I should make, and I'm not, I'm not naming anything here today because I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you where you are. I may not know what you're battling with. What is it that God's calling you to be obedient to that the Word of God is clear about? You're saying, but if I do that, it's going to cost me something I want. Then you have to answer God's mother. No. It's God plus this thing. But just have this thing. You know what I mean? When I, when I did singles ministry for years, it was as long as if I could just have a baby. Now that I'm out of singles ministry and, and pastoring a church, I can't tell you how many people I've said, if I can just change that mate. Make, either make them different or get a whole new one. Or if I didn't have one, I had to worry about it. See, if it's got enough, or is there something you need to add to it or take away from it? It's got enough. Well, these spiritual disciplines will help you have a better grip on godliness. Because godliness is a great game. You want to game? Start understanding where you are spiritually. Recognize there's nothing of value in yourself, spiritual poverty. Be discontent with where you are. Pray that God will grow you somewhere better. For His glory and for your fellowship. Begin to get some deep spiritual understanding. Go into the Word and compare it with where you are in life. Match up with that. It'll develop your godliness. Give you four quick attitudes. Three. No, no, let me give you four. Four quick attitudes that'll help develop your contentment. Or four, actually, that'll keep you from contentment. Four that you need to watch out for. Number one is unbelief. I think y'all know my favorite passage. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you're never going to make God pleased with where you are. Unbelief is a root that, that deeply sinks into our lives. What has God said about who you are? I just can't believe that God says I'm loved. I just don't feel loved. Well, it doesn't really matter how you feel. Did God say you're loved? What, what, what about God? God says I should tell the truth. You know, I don't really believe God means it all the time. You know, He understands that sometimes I have to say, and I'm not talking about, you know, when your wife says, does this dress make me look fat? That's that's not, I'm talking about the, you know, the kind of stuff where where you're deceitfully trying to deceive someone. I'm not talking about that thing where, you know, you, you tell your child that that thing that they made, that you have no idea what it is, that that's the most artistic thing that was ever created on the planet. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about where, you, where you're trying to manipulate a situation by being dishonest. 
you like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> y'all just like me. You go through that struggle all the time. You want people to think well of you. So you shade what you say. Well, if you believe that God honors truthfulness, you won't change it. You may have to change the way you live, but you won't change the truth. Unbelief. Unbelief will keep you from contentment. Because God won't let that alone. Let me tell you else, what else will, will keep you from contentment. Covetousness. Colossians 3, 5 says, Therefore put to death. Y'all got that one? Put to death. Kill. This one will kill <laughs> She asked me a question earlier about something that was in the notes. About kill. Hey, kill. No, no more life to it. Put to death what belongs to your worldly nature. Not the worldly nature, your worldly nature. Kill it. Put to death what belongs to your worldly nature. And then just so you make sure you're not just like, well, that's okay. Let me give you some examples. Sexual immorality. Well, preacher, you need to worry about that. I ain't, I ain't not doing nothing wrong like that. You thinking about it? Have you ever thought about it? Does it ever cross your mind? Don't be lying. We just talked about that. <laughs> just be honest with yourself. Are you battling with that every now and then? Probably. Kill it. Impurity. Lust. Evil desire. Greed. Which he says is idolatry. Greed is saying, if I could have this, that would make God enough. But if I don't have this, God's not enough. It's this plus God. Idolatry is worshiping something above God. What do you worship above God? Is God enough? Is God enough for you? Hebrews 13 tells us that our life should be free from the love of money. Anybody here love money? He said you ought to be free from that. He didn't say you didn't have money. He didn't say you couldn't use money. He said don't love it. Why? Because you can't love one thing and another. You can't love it one thing. He said, well, I love baseball and hot dogs and apple pie. Well, that's not the kind of love he's talking about. He's talking about commitment. You can't be committed to money, stuff in this world, in God. Those two don't pass. Be satisfied with what you have. Brother Luther, be satisfied with what you have. A week ago you had nothing. Today you got a little more. Be satisfied with nothing or a little more. Be satisfied with it. Not chasing after something else. Why? Because he wants you to realize it's not the fact that a week ago you had nothing and today you got a little more. He says be satisfied because he himself has said... I will never leave you or forsake you. What you have is me. Is God enough? If you ain't got nothing, if God takes it all the way to Mark, if the government crumbles, the banks fail, and you end up out on the street, is God enough? If you end up in, in Mr. Charles' 
shape next week. And your family has a hole in it the size of something you can't fill. Is God enough? He is if, 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 if he's God. Because he will never leave you and forsake you. We tell you a third one. Envy. You know, we I had one pretty cups like Pastor Steve and Sam have. By the way, that's a Father's Day gift to me and Sam and Mark and Shannon. And the ladies' ministry, maybe. I'm not sure. All I know is it showed up there there was some coffee in it, and I was really happy. <laughs> That's a silly thing. I don't think anybody's envious of that today. But have you ever looked around and wondered what somebody else had? Man, I wish I had their job. I wish I had their hair. I wish I could look as good without hair. I wish I had their spouse. I wish I had their personality. Listen, God made you the way he made you, for a purpose and a plan. Nobody's gifted like you are in the kingdom of God. He's got enough. Are you okay with that? When you become envious, you get all kinds of stuff out of whack. For we envy and selfish ambition exists. There is disorder in every kind of evil. When you start envying, then I wish I could be on the platform with Jamie and the team. Wonder why I haven't been asked to come up there. Well, you have been. That's beside the point. But when you start that, you go down, you're opening yourself up to all kinds of evil. You ever looked around and wondered how come people who aren't sitting in church today, people who don't love God today, have life so much better than you? I guarantee you I have. If you're honest, you probably have too. Let me tell you what scripture says. Don't let your heart envy sinners. Instead, always fear the Lord. Unbelief. Covetousness. Envy. Number four. Complain. Man, I sure wish this service would go. I got somewhere to be. It's going to rain in a minute. Man, I wish, I, I wish things were different. I wish, I wish, I wish. Do everything. I'm going to make this one simple. Do everything. Kids, all the kids in the room, listen. All the kids in the room, do everything. That means at home, with mom and dad, at school, when they tell you, to do something, do everything without grumbling and arguing. So in other words, just shut up. Because <laughs> if you can open your mouth, you're probably going to grumble and argue. You know why? Because you learned it at home from your parents. Because that's what we do. We grumble and we argue. <laughs> Don't we? Man, that would love me out on the call for what? <laughs> Let me remind you what Peter said. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious 
be disciplined for prayer. Above all, maintain an intense love for each other, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another. Why? Because God's promised you everything that there is. Jamie read it to us this morning. We've got it all in Christ Jesus. You've been adopted. You've been called. You've been brought into the family of God. God is not just your God and creator. He's your father if you know him. What more do you need? He's got enough. I promise you this week you're going to get challenged for that. I promise you this week you're going to get challenged by some circumstance or event in your life. You're going to have to answer, yeah, God's enough. Or you're going to answer, no, God plus this, or God minus Got to be enough. I just didn't hurt so stinking bad this morning. And my heart was just broken. No, God's enough. But if I just had this one thing, no, God's enough. The question is, do you realize it? And will you surrender? Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the word. Pray you use it this week to encourage us and strengthen us as we walk through life together. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.